well met, travelers, and welcome to the Kinky Tavern. Pull up a stool. What do you have to drink? Here, we aim to extend to all who may seek it disability-centered kink education. In doing so, we're going to be talking about different aspects of BDSM, leather, the kink community, the relationships and dynamics within it, and so much more. All opinions voiced in this podcast are just that, opinions, and they should not be taken as fact or medical advice. We only speak from what we've learned and experienced in our own journeys. And remember, my dear friends, kink is customizable. Consent is the only requirement. Words mean things, but we also give them meaning. Remember, no kink shaming and no judgment. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy. If you would like to stay in the loop and connect with us beyond the podcast, be sure to follow us on our social media. Yes, we love engaging with our community and sharing a bit more about us and our lives and having some delightful conversations. You can also make any suggestions of topics or things you think we should do with our podcast through these links or through our Discord, which is in the link tree. The link tree is always in the description below, and you can also find it at linktree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash the Kinky Tavern. Yes, we also have a Patreon. It cannot be found by searching Patreon. You have to go through the link. So patreon.com slash thekinkytavern. We also have that link in our link tree, so you can follow us there. We have an Instagram, the Kinky Tavern Podcast. Our old one, the Kinky Tavern, was shut down, so if you were following it and you'd like to stay up to date, go ahead and follow our new one, the Kinky Tavern Podcast. Yes, and I also run our Twitter slash X at the Kinky Tavern. And our fat life is also at the Kinky Tavern. I also have a TikTok at Mix Dizzy Soul. That is at M X D I Z Z Y S O U L. I also have a Facebook under M Space Dizzy E M Space D I Z Z Y. And my fat life is M Dizzy without the space. Yes, and you can also follow me on TikTok. Yes, I do have a TikTok. I may be posting there soon. I don't know. I'm not sure yet. But it is pup underscore Merlin underscore Wrecker. P-U-P underscore M-E-R-L-I-N underscore R-E-K-K-R. I also have a Facebook. That is Marquis Wrecker. M-A-R-Q-U-I-S-R-E-K-K-R. And I also have a FetLife, which is the same as my TikTok. Pup underscore Merlin underscore Wrecker. The topics within this podcast are explicit. Listeners should be 18 and up only. Listener discretion is advised. Trigger warning. Today's episode, by the nature of its topic, will be covering some more graphic content. If you're not in a place to handle this kind of discussion right now, please take care of yourself and join us for our next episode. If you are experiencing a mental health emergency, please call 911. If you need help or assistance with your struggles in trauma or mental health, please don't hesitate to reach out to the Mental Health Hotline at 866-903- 3787 or visit mentalhealthhotline.org for access to more free confidential mental health hotlines and chats. Hi, I'm Mix Dizzy. And I am Marky Puprecker. And today we are doing a review of the 1987 film Gore, based off the John Norman novels. Loosely based, from what I hear. Yeah, very loosely, from what I hear as well. I've not seen this movie, but I have actually read some of the books. And I have not. So this will be interesting. 
it's also the first time that we're doing like a reaction kind of thing. We've done like the BDSM and media series before, but this this will be kind of a interesting. I, I'm kind of excited actually because I enjoyed the books for the most part. I know they're everyone says they're horrible and bad writing, but I like the old horrible sci-fi books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and that's what I hear they are. Mm-hmm. We are not really going to be commenting at all on like the current gore subculture. Gorian subculture or anything that they do and or believe. This is solely on the media. Yeah. So we'll just leave that there because we don't know enough about the Gorian subculture to make comments on it. Yeah. I, I do have to say that there will be spoilers, obviously, for the movie and for some of the books. Um, I've only read the first four, five books, four and a half books. I think I got halfway through the fifth one before I stopped reading a while ago. But yeah, so this will be very interesting. Uh, we were looking at some reviews online of the movie. and uh, It got a 3.4 out of 10 on IMDb, and it got a 4% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, wow. 4%? Mm-hmm. Damn. Okay. So yeah, um, this should be pretty interesting. One thing I found interesting was that the director... Fritz Kirsch was the director of Children of the Corn, the original Children of the Corn movie. Which, if I remember that correctly, was pretty bad. Oh, yeah. Uh, another thing I found interesting was that this film is rated PG. I mean, that could have been before they changed the rating system. I'm pretty sure it probably was. It, it only, when I looked at the rating and why it was rated PG, it literally only had that there were scantily clad people. So obviously it was not based on like content. Yeah. It was just based on like what was on the screen. Mm -hmm. So there's that. (laughs) You ready? Yeah. Let's see how this goes. John Norman's gore. It's it's very fanfare-y. And. uh, (laughs) Very long credits. Yeah. Very long credits. So this is based off the first book, Tarnsman of Gore. Um, We'll see how loosely that is based off of. From what I hear, it's pretty loosely based. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, so we're opening on Earth. Got a professor teaching in the classroom. Passionately describing the gem that contains the key to alternate dimensions of gore. Yeah, uh, no. (laughs) Um, so like he's describing this ring, this gem in this ring that has like the key to access this alternate world of gore, which, um, in the book there is a ring, but it's not the key. I feel like if I nitpick every little thing that's going to be wrong, there's just going to be a lot, but basically like what happens in the first book is... I assume this is our main character, Tarl. (laughs) Um, Basically, he gets a letter and is transported by a ship to this other counter-Earth gore, which he doesn't even know about till he gets there. Okay, so he's not a professor teaching about it. No, he's a student in the book. (laughs) He's a student in the book, and uh, his father, like, disappeared a long time ago. And that's who summoned him to the Counter-Earth. 
Interesting. And his father is also named Tarl, by the way, in the book. Tarl. Yeah. Um, I don't but, know why that's all I can think of. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so he's a professor in this one and uh, talking about the Einstein's theories and he mentioned Leonardo da Vinci briefly for mm-hmm. some reason. And yeah, it's interesting that he already knows about gore. One of my favorite bits in this first little, you know, four minutes, well, probably like two minutes because the credits took forever, uh, was when he was like, yeah, go ahead and laugh. Because I don't know why, it just was really funny to me. Yeah. Well, not to mention, I mean, like, like in the classroom, it's like a lecture hall and like most of the students are not interested at all. They're giggling at him. They're giggling at him. One lady is like knitting or crocheting or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, and it's the very 80s. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. How many times do you have to say his name? That'd be a fun way to get alcohol poisoning. Drink every time they say his name. Uh-huh. Okay, they did mention that it is his father's ring. I wonder if the girl's boyfriend's name being Norman is a... Uh, like a nod to... Mm-hmm. Yeah. To John Norman. Possibly. So he's off on a road trip to discover things about his father's ring. Yeah, I, I'm kind of confused about that, but his... I guess his girlfriend or partner or whatever. It looks like teacher's, teacher's assistant there yeah, for a bit. TA was going to go with him, but then she was like... Said his name like 20 times and was like, Tarl, I can't do this. Tarl this, Tarl that. And now he's off on his own driving. It looks like it's about to be a Rocky Horror Picture Show night. a storm, night. yeah. Oh, he hit a tree. Okay. What was that bang? <laughs> oh, and he's just gone from the car. And he is magically in gore. Okay. What was that bang? Yeah. Wait, didn't he have glasses on? He did. Okay, no longer has glasses. He kept his weird watch calculator thing in his ring, but lost his glasses. Oh, nice nice cut to the wide shot. Yeah, so now he's in, like, the middle of this desert when he was in, just in, like, a... Rainstorm. Rainstorm in his car and hit a tree. And then it's just magically transported to the middle of the desert. So this is extremely loosely based on the books. I think they probably just took the main characters' names and, like, loosely took, like, what their roles were and... One of the reviews I found was titled, What's the Opposite of Plagiarism? (laughs) Alright, so he comes up on a town being ransacked. Ransacked, there's people fighting, there's this scantily clad woman fighting men. Scantily clad women and men. Yeah. Oh, there's a stone. That's what they're fighting for. Sob. God. Budget. It's so bad. Yeah. Just like the fighting in general is not very good. Oh, it's the homestone. I've heard that okay. one. It's the spirit Interesting. of the people. Okay, that's not what I imagined the homestone to look like, but okay. It's like this weird pink nubbly thing. It looks like 80s level resin, as does the rest of the props. So they stole a homestone, they're enslaving people. Yeah, I mean... Or at least taking them hostage. Yeah, they're... I mean, in gore, slavery is, like, the thing. Yeah. Um, so... Leather bikini lady steals horse, runs away. Of course, Tarl is watching all of this. From afar, yeah. Oh, oh here comes a bad I think guy. someone sees him. Nope. You know, one of the tags was suit and tie. I, I was not picturing 
what is that called? Tweed. Oh, tweed. Yeah, with the with the with the elbow patches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, very on brand for an '80s professor, but. No. Yeah. Oh, so one thing I saw him. Yeah, so one thing we forgot to mention is that the the leader of this raiding party or whatever it was he was watching from afar, like the whole scene and everything. And they've like cornered Tarl, and like he's telling him that like he's a physics professor at Harvard. And <laughs> see, I have my driver's license. <laughs> and then he holds up a piece of paper. What? What was that? He grabbed a sword and accidentally stabbed somebody. Yeah, that was a weird edit. <laughs> Oh my god, that was so bad. Someone just threw a rock and completely knocked out this guy that was about to shoot him with a bow and arrow. Okay, so I guess the townspeople are, like, fighting back. They've come out of somewhere, and now there's, like, over a hundred of them just appearing. (laughs) To fight for this dude who nobody knows who he is? Yeah. The horse said, fuck you. Good job, horse. I'm not on anybody's side, but just war. (laughs) Yeah, this is so confusing. Okay, I think this guy is the owner of the homestone, like the leader of the people whose homestone got stolen. There's the bad guy. Yeah. Oh, Tarl killed the bad guy's son. Yeah. He gonna hunt him down. Yeah, this is just... uh... Nope, now Tarl's naked and being tended to by scantily clad ladies. Just gonna give you my father's ring. Wait, Sarm? Okay, at least they got that part right. Okay, that's not... Okay, so the king's power hungry, so, forcing people into slavery. Yeah, so they then they're saying it's Sarm, who in the books is a priest king. And spoiler for the books, in the third book you find out the priest kings are actually like an insect species that like control gore, like hmm. are overlords to everyone on gore, which is not the case in this apparently. <laughs> Well, and it's acting like the king is the one who, Sarm, is the one who brought slavery to this area of Gore. And it's, I believe, that Gore, the entire planet, has slavery as a... yeah, as far as I know. ...base um, to society, essentially. Yeah, if I remember right, it runs on kind of like a caste system. Mm -hmm. So there are the rulers, and then there's like basically kind of three different levels... If I remember right, I could be completely wrong. I've only read the books a couple times. But yeah, um, you have the rulers and then you have people who are either slaved or not enslaved. And you can be enslaved by anyone basically at any point in time. Anyone can really. So it it, it very much runs on a slave-based society. Mm-hmm. So now they're saying that Tarl is the savior sent here through the stone. His father's ring that he was obsessed with while on Earth, but now he's like, just take it. If you want it, just take it and let me go. Yeah. But he's their savior, so they can't. Which is completely not how it happened in the book. In the book, like, he was taken by a ship, and then he went and met his father at, like, this temple. And then he was trained how to ride the tarn, which is, like, a a bird mount, basically. Like, a bird that you ride, and he was taught how to train them and ride them. And then, basically, like... He has to go, and he has to go steal the homestone from this other city, and... So this is very much Oh, yeah. Very loosely based. Opposite of plagiarism. Um, Talina, who is the scantily glad lady, she is the daughter of... I don't... Of Marlenus, which... I think in the book was the city that Tarl was supposed to go and attack and steal the homestone from. Mm. But she's working with 
the people from Koroba, which was just attacked in the movie by Sarm. She said that her father's the ruler of Koroba. Oh. Oh, and it appears he's not the first visitor from another land. Okay, so now they are going to train Tarl, I would assume, in fighting? Yeah. So that he can gather the homestone back. Yeah. From the mountains. From the Sardar Mountains, which is where the Priest Kings are supposed to be in the books. So, oh god. So now we have a training montage going on that, oh god, it's so bad. I'm just, it could easily be set to Eye of the Tiger. Oh yeah, and now he's like master of sword and bow and all that. And spear, which we have not seen him pick up, so apparently. Oh, that's the guy coming after him. Oh, but he hears him with his super spidey senses that he just got. Oh god, that was so bad. What did he do? He just stayed crouched there. He, he like, slightly, like, just kind of leaned to the right. And then that was him dodging the spear. I think that says more about the thrower's aim than his... Yeah, it was pretty bad. So I assume... Uh, you can see his diaper. So now they're making their way to the Sardar Mountains to go and retrieve the homestone from... Or Koroba's homestone from Sarm. God, it's so, it's so wrong from the book. It's so wrong. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that there's going to be much comparing to the book. No, it's and... It's kind of what it said yeah. uh, when we looked up reviews, but... Oh, God, with the 80s hair. Just poof. Just so much poof. You know the fire's fake or else her hair would go poof. So it cut to Sarm torturing, like, the elder they captured, questioning him, like, whipping him. And now we're back to Tarl in the desert being attacked by a random raiding party. You can definitely see his diaper from under his little yeah. top. It's not even a dress or a toga, it's just a little top. <laughs> oh god, why is he running like that? They took, like, a bag. They're mad at Tarl because he was the one on guard and they attacked. Yeah. Well, the outlaws, is that what they called him? Are back with... Oh, no, those are the bad guys with reinforcements. Hmm. Oh, God, there's even children. Okay. The children will be house slaves, but this is PG. They're dressing up Talina to look like a slave, because she's not allowed to be free. They said women, in general, yeah. in Sarm's realm are not allowed to be free. Okay, so they've come upon a encampment, I guess? They're looking for supplies. Uh, looking for supplies. It's like a little merchant town. Tarl's leading Talena through the town with his ripped tunic, so she looks like a slave. Yeah. Oh, a tavern! Hey, we've got a tavern. Jesus. And a guy just kicking people. Okay, so I assume this is them going into the tavern. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really look like a tavern, more like a cave. Oh, there's their first bit of nudity. That was a topless woman. Oh, no, it wasn't. Okay. I Very think suggestive briefly. dancing. Yeah. There's the bully guy that just... I think I think he's the tavern owner, and uh. he's like just beating people up and throwing them around everywhere. And then we have women dancing. God, wh why is he just like beating the fuck out of, out of everyone? Very suggestive dancing. Yeah, with hardly anything on. Which the only reason I'm pointing this out is because it's rated fucking PG. That is wild to me right now. So I'm just assuming, but like. I think why he's, like, pushing people around so much is that they're, like, most of them are slaves to him, and he is, like, their master, basically. Mm. Yeah, there was one of the people he was beaten up and put up on a hook uh, was calling him master. Yeah. Tarl's making eyes at the scantily clad, sexy dressed, or sexy dancing women. I think it is overdubbed. Oh, yeah. Which the ambient noise is so loud, it makes sense. If it yeah. wasn't overdubbed, it'd be unhearable. <laughs> 
Oh, our tavern owner has required that the, that Selena, the slave, quote unquote, goes in the ring because he wants to see blood. What was it? If she loses, he gets to keep her and cut off Tarl's head. Yeah. Just because they walked in the tavern. Yeah. Well, and he said he's going to the Sardar, which is Sarm's realm, and nobody goes towards Sarm's realm. They usually run. So that's why. And now we have... A horrible battle sequence. Yeah. Talina is fighting against one of the tavern owner's slave girls, basically. And if she loses, he keeps Talina and cuts off Charles' head. And yeah, it'll be it's very drama. God, all of oh, the all of the fighting in this is just horrible. It is. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, yeah, because that would. Mm-hmm. Oh, cunt kicks. Oh. Someone gave her a sword or a spear. Something. What? It looks like Talina won and then got whipped to stop her from killing the girl. Is that what just happened? I. Oh, if they win, they get the map. That's what it was. Okay. Oh yeah. The map through the to the Sardar Mountains. Yeah, the tavern owner pointed out that in order to get to the Sardar, you had to have this specific map that he rolled out for them. And then that's when the battle challenge started. Oh, he's mad at the chick that lost. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Why are they giving her weapons in town if she had to be tied up to enter town? Okay, so now the little person who the tavern owner was beating up earlier is joining the party as a guide. His name's Hop. Yeah, he was hiding in their bag, apparently. Oh. Tavern owner's back, because he wants Talina? Yeah. I wasn't sure if it was going to be her or Hop. Uh, oh, nice. the calculator watch comes to save the day with flashing him in the eyeballs? Yeah, that's an interesting choice. Sure is. Yeah, so Tarl flashed his watch in the tavern keeper's eyes, and Talina stabbed him. And then all his men just, they just ran away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, quicksand. Something. Are they all gonna get sucked in? Oh, boy. Oh, it looks like an orgy for a second. Yeah. And they lost their supplies to the quicksand. Except the sword. He got a sword. They lost the bags with their supplies, I assume. Their food at the least. Now we cut to bad guy Sarm. With... Oh, wow. Okay. Just furious whipping and screaming in the background. There's the slave drivers that we saw earlier, I think. Yeah, I believe so. Ah, his alarm went off again. And they heard it. He's got a lot of alarms. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow. They beat up the guy that went to look what the sound was, took his helmet, and was like, go on ahead, I just gotta pee. And they were like, okay. Wow. Uh, another thing to note that happened in the book is that when Tarl went there, they like took all his technology or anything from Earth, so he wouldn't have had the watch, but... I mean, it's a pretty big plot point in the movie. No, yeah, apparently. Oh, they all hid in the back of a caravan thing? Yeah. So they all just snuck up behind this huge group of slave drivers and snuck into their carriage thing. That's miraculously empty and being toted along the desert for no reason. And there's like four or five of them that just snuck into this thing and no one's noticing at all. Now they're dipping. Okay. Looks like they led the slaves to their final destination, and then our our adventuring party broke off and is... Completely unnoticed. Completely unnoticed, by the way, and going up through the mountains. Oh, somebody notices them. Oh, maybe not. So Hup, the little person, is leading them. Oh, his father's ring is glowing and making sci-fi noises. He is to lead the way. But Hup being their guide leads them to Sarm's back door, which apparently he doesn't know he has. (laughs) 
which leads through the mines and then up through some tunnel to like the main square or something. So why is his ring not glowing anymore? It's not making the sci-fi noises. No, it's not. Oh, there's a very skinny slave. Oh. Diseased slave. Hanging from the ceiling, of course. I think that's in a later book, but I I believe there's mention of like a disease, like kind of like the plague or like leprosy or something. Hmm. Bunch of guards coming through. They all have to hide. Oh, and of course, the last guy in the party hears something, and he stops, and he's going to get beat up and his helmet taken, isn't he? Oh, no. Okay. He's pushed along. And then they all immediately stand up because the coast is totally clear. There's another diseased person touching Tolina now. Oh, Oh, a bunch of little zombie guys. Oh, they're, yeah, they're like zombies. Okay, that's interesting. Oh, wow. And just like that, they're in the main square, I guess, from this cave mine thing. There's a slave auction going on, it looks like. And, like, I don't know if it's just the clothing they're wearing, but it looks like they are naked. Like, like just straight up naked, pretty much. At least the tops. I mean... Yeah, I think they're at the very least topless. Which, again, PG. What oh, even no, happened? Oh, they no, are, they are naked. They're beating somebody up. I can't focus on the naked women with your kerfuffling. Yeah, I don't even know what happened there, but there's a kerfuffle. So they captured Tarl and Selena and... They captured the whole party, it looks yeah. like. Oh, I guess they they were pointed out or something. Mm. Yeah, because there was Sarm up on the wall who skulked away angrily. Okay, so they were cupped and brought into this palace, I guess, and then uncuffed. And they're being touched upon. It said sardonic laughter. (laughs) Oh, there's Sarm. Just laid it all out there, telling him he's from Earth, trying to get the homestone back so he can return to Earth. Which is not how that works in the books. Eggs. He was invited to stay at the king's place and is like, nah, I want my friends. Oh, he's showing him his harem? Yes, all his slaves. Men and women, I I assume. Mostly women. Women are doing the dancing. Oh, no, there's a few men. Oh, there's there. some men yeah. dancing, yeah. And of course, in this world, everything is very binary. So any comments we make on that are yeah. assumptions of the world. Mix that with one woman... Caresses a man on the face. Okay. Yeah. So at least the toxic masculinity doesn't go quite that far. He left the drink with the dude and then sits on his throne with a drink. Yeah, continuity errors. Yeah, I was just going to say continuity error. So Sarm is showing his hospitality. He is telling his slave to please Tarl to take his thoughts off of Koraba. Oh, bringing out a feast. With tables and all. And huge platters of food. There is way too much fire for the amount of hairspray in this. No. <laughs> Trying to get the pleasure slave to give away secrets. Oh, and she called Tarl master. <laughs> the dubbing is so bad. Oh, the ceremony of possession. Oh, the ceremony. The ceremony. Yeah, oh, yes. Oh, that is a is BDSM symbol. And, was it the Triskelion? Yeah, it was. Oh, no. It oh, is. no. They're going to brand them with the Triskelion. Which is not the symbol they use. They do brand slaves and gore, but it is usually... It's like a kind of a weird K. That does that not look sanitary at all. Represents the Kajira or K- Kajiras. Yeah, that's just the straight up Triskelion symbol. Wow. Yeah. Oh, they're going to brand Talina. Oh, he's supposed to brand Talina. Oh, he's Tarl is. To, yeah. She has very smooth skin for a and hairless skin for. Oh, nice. Ooh, he brands the dude in the stomach. And then a fight breaks out. Was that Sarm that he branded uh-huh. in the stomach? Damn. Yeah. Oh, that Everybody's dude's big. screaming. Look at the guy behind him. He's fucking huge. <laughs> Bigger than Sarm. Oh, they're escaping. Oh, I thought they were going to show the brand. It would have been interesting. Oh, that's the girl that she was being branded with. Yeah. 
The girls seduce the guard so that Tarl can put his hand over his mouth for three seconds and knock him out. Uh-huh. Now Tarl's got to go find Marlenus. Yeah, Marlenus. Back is... in and find Marlenus in the dungeon. Yeah. And there was like a look from Talina towards Tarl, like uh, a knowing, like, ooh, I'm interested now. <laughs> Why would they be calling you your name if they're going to come torture you? I doubt they even know it. Uh, so Marlenus was the guy they captured in the beginning, the elder from the Koroba. So Marlenus has taken Tarl to where the homestone is. Yeah. He has to be told to help an old tortured man to open the door. A trapped gate with fire that shoots out everywhere. Somebody said this is very Conan the Barbarian, and yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very. Oh, it's like a treasure room. Oh, interesting. So so this is his treasure room with all the homestones of all the villages that he's raided and pillaged. And only... You didn't see the bubbly one? That's quite obviously it. <laughs> Apparently only a native of Koroba... Like, a, a, a native of Koroba touching the stone will make it glow, apparently. It's making that same sci-fi sound. So they found the homestone. Meanwhile, the other part of the adventuring party is fighting their way through a different part of the dungeon, I guess? <laughs> nope, they found each other. A whole slew of slaves. That's... Uh, At least com- get your hands away from it when you're trying to pry open a... Comically large padlock with a sword. Oh, help brings the key. Praise God? Mm-hmm. That's what was just said. Oh, no. One of the party got stabbed. I can't remember his name. Torm. Torn? Torm, with an M. Torm. I almost feel like Norman took a one of those, like, alphabet dice. <laughs> okay, so the party got captured again, I assume? Part of it. Looks like Talina did. Yep, Talina got recaptured. So did Hup and the Marlena, slave girl or, that got branded with Talina and Marlenus and... The other guy. The other old guy. Oh, looks like they're gonna just burn everyone in a huge fiery pit. This was written after Lord of the Rings, yes? Yeah. <laughs> just a few themes I'm catching on here with the Sardar Mountains and Fiery Pit. And oh, wow. They just Unceremoniously chucked the slave girl in there, the one that got branded with Selena. <laughs> of course, not one of the actual party. Oh, and a little giggle, a little giggle from Sarm. He's so dramatic. Here comes Marlenus. Oh, oh wow. damn. Tarl shot Sarm in the neck, and Sarm went into the pits. Kaboom. And of course, all of Sarm's men are immediately going to be Oh, like, and yeah, just like that. It's, yeah. it's, it's all over. Okay, we're fine. No more fighting. Here's your homestone. Which, I mean, most of them were slaves, if not all, but yeah, we all know that the very close underlings of the most powerful are not quite as swayable. We're going to rebuild Gore. Saying freedom has returned. Tarl is thanked. The crowd is cheering. It keeps cutting to this brand new old man that we've never seen before. He's the guy that was on for less than two minutes and got third billing. Oh. Third billing credit. Oh. Tarl's gonna go hook up with Tilina. Oh, but then old guy comes up. Zeno, a priest. He's a priest king, a humble servant of the gods. Are there gods in Gore? Not that I know of, really. Oh, Oh, they're hooking up right next to the homestone. Damn. Nice. Sci-fi sounds. Sci-fi sounds. You gonna put your dick on it? Jeez. Oh, he just straight up picks it up and caresses it. Says, maybe it's the other world that's a dream. And now his ring is doing the sci-fi glowy whirring thing. And he touches his ring to the homestone, and just like that. Boom, he's gone. Oh, and Talina's gone too. Did she go with him? I I don't know. Oh, he just punched Norman in the face. Yeah. And of course now Beverly wants him, the teacher's assistant. 
All right, so our priest king is wearing weird Disney ear looking things and talking to himself about how he wants to become the owner of the homestone and definitely setting it up for a second. Yeah. Things. He mentioned becoming like the ruler of the new ruler of Koroba. So I feel like his only purpose in that oh it was jack palance yeah jack palance was the he had like literally under two minutes of screen time but somehow he got third billing credit right under cabot and selena wow but that that was literally just to set up the next movie which is outlaw of gore that was as the sequel apparently it's rated pg-13 yeah it's better but yeah, that was that was gore. Um, so yeah, after Tarl touched the homestone, he was just it just cut to him back as a professor in school, and no explanation of what happened to Talina or anything. Mm-hmm. Thoughts? Yeah. So uh, thoughts. I mean, it was a, it was a bad '80s sci-fi movie, mm-hmm. sci-fi fantasy, um, very Conan. Uh huh. I was that was. I watched that. Mm-hmm. We both watched that. I could never unwatch it. No. The things we do for you. <laughs> it it made some things kind of click into place with the whole gore thing, but not much because it was so, so loosely based. Most of it that clicked into place was things that I looked up because you were like, that's not how it is in the books. Yeah. Um. So extremely loosely based obviously because that is not how the first book went at all um i mean didn't even meet the spider people um yeah there's spider people it's always gotta be the spiders but uh uh yeah so that was interesting and i mean i knew it was gonna be bad but i didn't know it was gonna be that bad yeah it definitely earned its four percent mm-hmm it made like under 160k in the box office. Oh, and I looked I looked up to see if I could find the budget for this movie. Mm-hmm. The only thing I could find was that it was low budget. Mhm. Which is true. Very true. I mean, the whole thing was overdubbed pretty bad. Yeah. Which again, like if they hadn't overdubbed it, the ambient noise of the footsteps in the sand and the caves and the swords and shit would totally overtake everything. So mm-hmm. as bad as it was, it was kind of necessary, I think. Hmm. So this was a interesting one. I, I, I would offer to do the, sec- the sequel, but I, I don't know if I want to do that again. I thought about it, yeah, but uh, it, we might have to take a little detox for a little while at least. Yeah, if if you guys really want us to do the sequel, just let us know and we will, uh, maybe, at some point. I don't know. We'll see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, the moment he was transported back, it's one of the reviews I read said... And you thought incels were a new thing. Yeah, totally. Like, as as soon as he was magicked back to Earth and in his little tweed jacket and punched Norman, Beverly was all over him. Mm-hmm. Magically. Just like... Just chased after him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I... From the... I mean, I've only read, like, the first four and a half books, but I don't really remember anything mentioning gods. Like, they do kind of treat the priest kings as, like, godly figures, but that's not mm-hmm. how they were portrayed in the movie. So, hmm. yeah, I, I don't know that what they were trying to do with that, but, yeah. But, yeah, in, in the third book, they, they introduce the priest kings and, like, tell them, like, the, the, there's this insectoid like race that literally has power over everything like they can destroy or do anything to anyone at any time basically on gore they have that much control over the planet so they are essentially gods and they are treated that way 
but no one really knows like who or what they are. They just know of the priest kings because they don't really reveal themselves to anybody. Because if they did, then they, they would know. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's interesting. I think I'll end with this excerpt from Zap Dude's IMDb review. No redeeming qualities. As a fan of the Gore books, I too was anticipating this movie when I first heard about it. The movie and John Norman's books have absolutely nothing in common. No, I don't just mean that this is a bad adaptation. Nothing in common. This was most likely an already written story that someone pasted the Gorian names onto. The most disturbing part is that the very thing that made the books good, Gorian society, was ignored for this crap fest. The keeping of slaves in rough-and-tumble nature of Gore is not some bad people in one distant city. It was the entire planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, one of the things that I really... Because I, I actually enjoyed the books for the most part... One thing I, I enjoyed about it was like the amount of lore and world building. world building in it that like they had they established a caste system and like people had certain roles and like there were different types of slaves and like they had this whole society in each city each city had its own homestone and each one was kind of like its own thing they had their own thing going for them there was like a city of builders and then a city of iron workers and yeah it had this very rich deep lore to a lot of it and this Mm -hmm. great world building which i really loved that's like the biggest praise i hear about those books Mm -hmm. is the world building yeah but like there was none of that in this movie at all and like the the book that it's based off of tarnsman of gore there was a lot of emphasis on the tarns because that that was like korobos thing was they they had they were the keeper of the tarnsmen mm-hmm. who rode the tarns and that's that's how they fought and there was no mention of that at all mm-hmm. in any way shape or form and yeah uh, so it like you said it was probably just a already made story that they kind of made fit with the names and different people from John Norman's book. Right. Like, just enough to be able to call it that. (laughs) All right, so that was Gore. We're going to wrap it up there. Uh, Like we said, if you want to hear us review Outlaw of Gore, the second movie from 1989, let us know. So, with that being said, now, Daddy, will you please lead us out of this desert hellscape with a daddy joke? Mm Mm-hmm, I will. And it's it's pretty well. It can't be worse than what we just watched. Just go ahead, go for it. Okay, so Hank Hill got a job working in a BDSM store. Did he now? Yeah, he What's sell, he doing? He sells propane and propane accessories. It's better in meme format when you can see Hank Hill. I'll in tell the you what. Dominatrix outfit. I sell propane and propane accessories.